Okay, that's an interesting noise. Still not started recording yet. Can you mute me? Okay. Can you mute? Just press mute. There we go. Hello and welcome to the Troopany Show. My name's James Troopany, and this is my show. Today we are looking at Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor from last weekend, where some matches may have taken place around Dallas, Texas. And a bunch of other stuff that happened there too. To join me to discuss these momentous events, and normally I say that with a bit of, you know, glib just out there stuff, but actually this was really important. Will you please welcome Mr. Marcus Green of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. How are you doing, sir? Doing good. Glad to be back here with you, talking some more Ring of Honor. Coming yeah. up from that, that jam-packed weekend we had last week, so, you know. Yeah, it's, it, it was interesting wrestling week. There was been big shows from all the major companies. Obviously, it was WrestleMania weekend. And, you know, it's become essentially WrestleMania weekend has become the South by Southwest of the wrestling world where everyone goes and does a show. And one of the traditional biggest shows of the weekend that's outside of the WWE ball has been Ring of Honor with their Supercard of Honor, um, which ran for the first time under new ownership. And we saw a general outline of where the company may be going in the future with some big names and some big signings. Um, before we get started on today's show, I will say this today, and I will go uh, before we get into the fun and games of actual wrestling shows. There was a horrible incident this morning, and it was in Tokyo, uh, this well, Tokyo evening time at uh, Wrestle One Show. Sorry, Zero One Show. Shinji Ariatani, wrestling legend, lead booker of Zero One, and still a great heavyweight wrestler, had an accident this morning. He was German suplexed into a corner post and was unfortunately they had to clear the building to get him out we don't know and i will not speculate about his current particular health positions but he is one of my all-time favorite wrestlers he's a kid guy i grew up watching as a kid so all thoughts and everything we can to shinjiro otani and i hope he gets well soon um but let us move on to ring of honor um supercard of honor Right, this is, we knew that Tony Khan had taken over the company. We didn't know an awful lot else of what was going to go on. And there were some big matches announced for this. We got some interesting start because Caprice Coleman and Ian Riccoboni are apparently back in the booth. So there's definitely going to be some continuity within the company. Um, definitely, we saw that happen. Um, it was a sellout crowd at the Curtis Caldwell Center. And it was kind of, off of the beaten track of the other shows that happened over WrestleMania weekend, they did it in their own venue so they could do the whole nine yards of the show. What were your expectations with the new ownership going into this, Marcus? Uh, I kind of went in with kind of like no expectations really because I was just honestly, I think the thing I was uh, happiest for was that we was you know getting a Ring of Honor show back. Because um, the last time we had left off, I think obviously was, that was final battle. We was just kind of, we knew something was brewing, but we didn't know what it would look like when it came back. Um, so I was just happy to, you know, be getting it back. And then just to have a card that even looked remotely appealing, because they could have really just, with everything that was going on, really could have just threw a bunch of random matches together. Uh, but it, it had some uh, story going into a lot of this stuff going uh, into the card. So. Yeah, I kind of went in with, with uh, medium expectations and came out pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I'd have to yeah. agree with you. I'd have to agree with you there. It was actually something a bit special. <laughs> yeah. By the time they finished the evening, eight point eight two from the cage match users. That will tell yeah. you how people thought about this particular card. It opened 
with Alex Zane and Swerve Strickland. Uh, there was a pre-show too. We're not going to go into that too deeply because we've got too much to cover today. Uh, but Swerve Strickland, a former WWE wrestler, um, kind of got a bit of a Ring of Honor background. Um, Alex Zane, uh, again, excellent piece of work. And this was just an excellent way to open the show. Uh, Alex Zane obviously been quite strong on Ring of Honor's radar in the last few months before the company went on sabbatical. So these two together had a barn burner and opened the show the way they should do um, with such a a good, you know, just a good, great opening match. Didn't mean a half a lot because yet, because we don't know where the company's going, but it was nice to see things moving in that direction. What's your thoughts on this one, Marcus? I 100% agree with you, good stuff. Big, big fan of Swerve. So glad that he, like so many others, got out of that cage, that shark cage, and uh, has been uh, free to, you know, go to AEW and then kind of let his full swagger, if you will, be on display and uh, have that creative freedom he needs to uh, be the showstopper that he is. And Alex Zane is certainly no slacker. So, you know, I think they was uh, really good opponents to kick off the show. Not a, uh, not a long match. Didn't need to be. It was just something that, Needed to get the momentum and the ball rolling for the show, and I think they did a really good job. Yeah, it, it had to be a Ring of Honor type match to start a Ring of Honor show in this particular circumstances, and I think they hit that about right. Yeah. Um, next up, Ninja Mac came out to wrestle a mystery opponent, and uh, Tully Blanchard came down the ring, which is for a first a, a Ring of Honor debut. Ninja Mac is a local Dallas wrestler who was everywhere on this particular weekend and was really, really good. Um, in this particular um, instance, he was perhaps not used in the most exemplary of ways, as the person Tully Banshaw brought out was um, Brian Cage, who has notably been going nowhere in AEW recently, and they found him something to do in an intriguing manner to be managed by, indeed, the great Tully Blanchard. Um, it was a two, two minutes and 50 seconds wash. Can't say anything about it. Weren't even eligible for a cage match racing. Uh, what did you think of this one, Marcus? And what do you think of Brian Cage's future, given his current management? Uh, he is in a better position than what he was, but that's not really saying too much. Um, I'm, I'm glad to see him back. Uh, he's obviously somebody that wants to work. He's somebody that has kind of been sitting on the shelf, like you said, doing a lot of, a whole lot of nothing in AEW. Unfortunately, it's just a lot of players in AEW right now. And, you know, I think uh, you talked this what about you or somebody else. He's not an anomaly anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just a swole guy that can, can, that can do all, you know, the aerial stuff, but we see that with everybody now. So um, him finding that character that, that just clicks outside from being the big swole guy that does some impressive stuff is, you know, he, he kind of got to evolve out of that, but he, he is in a better position with Tully, who I'm glad Tully's kind of got away from Sean Spears. Uh, <laughs> that just, that, that, it just it wasn't working. Whatever he was doing, it just wasn't working. And I like Sean, but it just wasn't clicking. So it was good to see Tully and, and, and Cage kind of kind of breathe some new life into something uh, interesting. Tully's got a new faction now. Looks like you're gonna be more spearheaded in the forefront, not like a like a bit player in somebody else's faction. So that's cool. As for good old uh, Ninja Mac, this was my first time seeing him ever. It looked like he could have brought something had he been with a different opponent. But this uh, kind of threw me back to the Lucha Underground days, and God, I do miss Lucha Underground. 
Uh, but it, but it kind of came off back in those days when they're like, we're gonna have a hot main event tonight, freaking uh, Mil Mortez versus Arrow Star, and like that's not a main event. It's not a main event by any stretch. That's gonna be a murder, and uh, it needs to be an in between match segment. That's that's what that could have been. So, you know, God bless Ninja Mac. Hopefully, he gets to show something on the next show. But you know, this was a return match for Cage, and that's that's just what it was. I think that's the thing. It's like Ninja Mac's a guy you could possibly sign to AEW or to Ring of Honor. He's on that level now. So sacrificing him to Brain Cage in this angle probably wasn't the best thing to do with him. I could find several other uses for him. Put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll move on um, to something more biteable, as it were. Jay Lethal defeats Lee Moriarty, who was accompanied by Matt Seidel. 14 minutes and 50 seconds. Lee Moriarty, of course, was a Ring of Honor uh, uncontracted wrestler for pretty much the previous six months to the close of Ring of Honor. Um, and he moved over to AEW. Jay Lethal was obviously with Ring of Honor right to the very end and then signed with AEW. Um, and Jay and Lee Moriarty have had some matches in the past, and this kind of picked up where things left off. Lee Moriarty is one of the best technical wrestlers going, and that's a very steep kind of stacked field right now, and I'm sure we'll talk about some other great technical wrestlers shortly. Um, but Lethal and Lee Moriarty, this was a very good match, and it kind of told the slow burn tale of Jay Lethal becoming disillusioned with being the face of Ring of Honor and how he isn't really the face of Ring of Honor anymore and finally descended into the depths of heeldom as he won this with a low blow. Though he wasn't completely over on the heel side, uh, but we'll see what happens later in the show. This was this was good, though. This was a solid story, really well told. What's your thoughts on this one, Marcus? Good stuff. Loved it. Lee is a, uh, like you said, a technical wizard. We we already know Jay Lethal is solidified at this point, but this goes back to what I was saying on our last show about, you know, how I'm, I'm really digging you know, so many of these guys kind of consistently keeping character across all these shows and telling a lot of stories across multiple promotions and, and, and different pay-per-views and whatnot. Jay has been seemingly on a losing streak in AEW. And that, that frustration has been building and carried back to here. Um, going to the Lee Moriarty, somebody he championed on that final battle uh, show. Um and now you kind of seen it where the, the OG, if you will, the old guard is, is kind of struggling to stay current in terms of, of keeping pace where he was the leader of the pack at one time. And he doesn't necessarily know how to deal with it. And I think it was brilliantly done. You got Sanjay Dunn in the, in the audience and, and, you know, trying to provide support and then lead the goals here. And then that becomes a whole thing. And then they continue that story later, which we'll get to. But. I thought it was well done. It just speaks to a level of desperation, and, and they pointed out on commentary, and it's good to see Rick Abani and, and um, our boy uh, back on commentary. But, uh, yeah, we, we've just never seen him like this before. He's had to be in positions where he's kind of had to outmaneuver the guy that was healed to kind of play play their game and, and play it his way, but never go full. Never went for like on a low blow, so it was cool to see. You know, sometimes you, you got to switch stuff up, and I think this would be a good direction for Lethal to go, specifically with newer names that are that are showing up in the company. So yeah, 
Yeah, this is this is the thing. He's got the they've got to build stories around the established stars, and obviously, you know, Jay Lethal has been the man in Ring of Honor pretty much for the last three or four years. So he's a good person to build stars around. Next up was for the interim Ring of Honor Women's World Championship match, currently vacant. The champion herself, Diana Perrazzo, was above wrestling on Ring of Honor's first show. She was wrestling for Impact Wrestling later in the evening, defending the AAA work Reynas de Reyes title uh, against um, Fabio Apache, which we talked about last week because we've got our order slightly out of sync. Um, so, in the meantime, until Perrazzo is available to defend the ROH Championship, Mercedes Martinez defeated Willow Nightingale in 12 minutes and 45 seconds. This was actually really good. And I love Mercedes Martinez, but I'm not sure she was the right choice to win this match. Because I think Willow Nightingale is exactly the kind of person you want with that Ring of Honor Women's Championship. Because she has got bags of personality. She is a real baby face. And that's something Ring of Honor lacks because everything's so dead serious and she's not, but she's a serious wrestler and she's a very talented wrestler. And I kind of wished that uh, Willow was the risk they took because I think she could do great things with the championship. I love Mercedes Martinez and she very much is the right person in the sense of safe pair of hands. And that match with Diana Perrazzo has money written all over it. But I kind of wish that Willow Nightingale had got a bit more, a bit thicker end of the stick, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, this was a solid outing. Not everyone agreed with us. Cage match guys give it 5.4, which I think was a bit harsh. Uncle Dave give it one and three quarters, and he's wrong. <laughs> As he so often is, in my opinion. Marcus, what's your thoughts on this one? No, he's he's often wrong, but you know, narrative. Uh, uh... Yeah, I mean, I'm 100% there, which I really, this was one of my favorite matches of the night, man. They, these these two women went out there and killed it. This is my first foray into Willow Nightingale. Hell of a name, by the way. Um, and she really, like you said, just in, imbues that, like, genuine baby face. Like, you never get, like, she's putting on a character. A lot of times in wrestling, we see people coming off like they're genuinely trying to play being a baby face, and it never comes off inauthentic with her. Um she she really impressed me. I mean, Mercedes Martinez is, is, you know, to me, like a Jay Lethal. She's submitted in what she does. She's truly an OG, respected across the industry, um, and, and never puts, never half-asses anytime she's in the ring. Um, and she really took it to Willow, and Willow gave as good as she got. And as somebody who was a fan of uh, Monty Brown back in the day, it was good to see a pounce again, a real good pounce. Um, the only... I guess a minor thing in this match for me that which was kind of like a, a minor cringe moment was uh she gave Martinez a very very she stuck a hell of a moonsault on her and I was worried for a second because you could tell she really knocked the wind out of Martinez and she did really good to bounce back and finish the match uh, but other than that man I mean that really the moonsault was indicative of the match they really didn't hold anything back but I'm glad Martinez was able to bounce back and like you um. I wish they would have went with Nightingale. She put on a hell. This was my first time seeing. I was like, where's this girl been? Like, for most of my wrestling life. Like, she she really is that good. Um, It's good to see Martinez get her flowers. But, um, like you said, it would have been cool to see them take that risk. I was going to say, she's been in GCW. Oh, hang on. I was going to say, she's been in GCW. Most of most of your wrestling life, I suppose. No, I'm, I'm 
I'm glad she doesn't look like it. So no, no offense to the girl, but she she you know cause that that that's a rough place to be, but it's a good place to be if you want to solidify yourself quickly. I think. Yeah, definitely. People built reputations in GCW this weekend, last weekend, which we'll talk about later. Then we move on to arguably the best tag match this year, arguably the best wrestling match this year, possibly the best wrestling match of this decade, and maybe the best men's wrestling match of, well, North American wrestling match of the century, maybe. I don't know, 75 years left in the century and we won't be around for all of them, but this was really good. This was exceptional professional wrestling of the highest order. FDR, Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood defeat the Briscoes. 27 minutes and 25 seconds of a blood-laden, stiff-as-houses, North American professional tag team wrestling match that matches up there with the Rock and Roll Express versus the Midnights, with the with the British Bulldogs versus the Hart Foundation, with all of the great tag team feuds of the 1980s and the 1990s, Steiners against the Road Warriors, that kind of level of intensity, this was just on another level. And a lot of it was down to the fact the Briscoes were wrestling for their livelihoods. They are not contracted to AEW. They are not going to transfer over to the new company. And they had to showcase their talents on the biggest stage possible protect their legacy as the greatest Ring of Honor tag team of all time and try and give themselves something to do in the future. They will always be popular and they will never be out of work, but they will never have the security of being Ring of Honor style wrestlers. They have been as contracted workers and they need to, to fill that cavity up. And the match they had with FDR kind of got them a new lease of life. Uh, there is rumors already that Impact Wrestling are interested in bringing them in as a regular team. I don't think they fit in the AEW kind of uh, firmament, if you will. They'll always have work with GCW, so they'll always have something. And I think they're both realizing that their careers are going to be finite because they've been doing this for a very, very long time, like 20 years now, and they're only 36 or 37. But FDR were just that good. They're just one of the best tag teams that's been in the last 20 years, and they knew how to plug and play with the Briscoes. Never wrestled each other before, but they knew how to make everything work. And they work perfectly together. And this was just tag team wrestling, how it's supposed to be done. It does not get any better than this. Marcus, your thoughts? I mean, literally everything you said. I mean, you, this is, again, another one of those times, and I hope me and James are always able to cover shows where we have a match where I say, look, I could talk about it till I'm blue in the face and hoarse. You have to go see this match. Period. I think the greatest compliment I could give it that wasn't already given by James is I'm not a fan. I'm not really a fan of FTR. not really a fan of Briscoes. But I felt like they number one fan for the entirety of this match. That's how good it was. That's how good it was. I'm somebody that really appreciates quality tag team wrestling. Um, and this is you know some of the best quality you're going to get, um, period. You know, the, these these four men are, you know, for the best to do this, and they, they put on the show. This was the match to watch this show for. Obviously, we still got some matches to go, um, and, and, and obviously there was some great stuff after, but this, this was the highlight. Highlight of the weekend, highlight of the, like I said, the show, and like James said, one of the best matches you go see all year. 
Um, one of the best tag matches you're gonna see ever, really. And uh, this is this is you know matches like this is why Ring of Honor is truly one of the foundations of uh, you talking about the annals of, of wrestling companies, and and this is uh, why Ring of Honor is in that conversation. You know, so kudos to these four men. They literally they blood, sweat, tears, and and whatever else. You know, and they just you know this is this is why this is why you love wrestling if you're a wrestling fan. This match right here. Absolutely. Just, 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 you you just got to go see it. You just will not believe it. Absolutely will not believe it. (laughs) It's on a different level. You know, we was talking the other week about when the Briscoes turned up in the, in the Crockett Cup and we said it was like the alpha predator coming into, you know, all these teams are all fairly good. They're professional quality tag teams that know what they're doing. And then the Briscoes come along and they're 20% better than everybody else. This is why, because they can go into a team that they've never wrestled before from a different style, from a different company, and just tear the house down with anyone. That's it. That's that. I mean, it, we think back to those matches with God. You know, the like, if we go back right back to the beginning of the Briscoe's career, I think they were 18 years old on their second tour of Japan, and they went to Noah and won the junior tag team titles on the first night. You know, that's how much they were trusted at 18 years old. You know, then Noah said, yep, fine. You guys are it. Go. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's it. You know, and they, they've got 10 years on that now. You know, it's insane, really, when you think about it. Um, Let us move on to the next matchup. Now, here's the thing. I like Red Titus. I think Red Titus is cool. I think Red Titus has been a great part of Ring of Honor. Uh However, when the words Rhett Titus versus Minoru Suzuki for the Ring of Honor World Television Championship came up, I'm like, oh, Rhett, what did you do? Who hurt you? What, why, why, why would they do this to Rhett Titus? I realized Rhett was not keeping this championship before the end of the evening. And I'm pretty sure he was dead happy to wrestle Minoru Suzuki. But this was never going to be a classic. It was going to be a murder. And it was. <laughs> um, six minutes. Probably about three minutes too long, to be honest, because it was just like, oh, um, yeah, it was all right. It, it, it's Minoru Suzuki. It's never going to be bad. <laughs> um, yeah. Marcus, your thoughts? No lies detected, my friend. Um, ultimately, you know, Minoru Suzuki is just on a different level. He's an absolute uh, living, breathing, walking legend. And uh, there is truly no shame in losing to him. Because ultimately, when you when you uh, you don't really lose the Minoru so much as you survive. So, like you said, um, you know, probably went three minutes longer. And this is this is no knock on Red Titus, but Minoru is on a completely different level, and he's one of those characters in wrestling that really doesn't even need a title. But you know, you you just was in the wrong place at the wrong time with the with the wrong uh, prize on the line. So. Like I said, you don't really lose the Minoru. The fact that he was in there with him is a is a nod to him, and uh, he'll get a chance to, you know, probably another shot at the title, maybe another reign. But right now, you know, um, I probably want to be as farther away from furthest away from that title as I possibly could be, because I'm not trying to get choked out and slammed on my head by that man, but potentially even longer. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was just it was something that had to happen, and it was kind of like. You know, so I think someone put it on Twitter this week. It's like, Rhett was probably glad to get paid and have a night wrestling Minoru Suzuki because, you know, that's something that happens to a lot of people who work on the US indie scene. Um, I don't think he's at AEW level 
I'm not sure if Tony Khan's barring his door down. I think he could be, but he needs to be, he needs more. And I think he'd make a good NWA guy in the sense of he's got character, you know, he's got something about him. He's a really good Matt wrestler. He's kind of a glue guy that you could use. Um, does appear later in GCW, but we'll talk about that down the road. Next up was the Ring of Honor Pure Championship. The current champion, Josh Woods, was defeated by Wheeler Utah in 12 minutes and 55 seconds in an exceptional quality professional wrestling match. If you like this kind of thing, it's not everyone's cup of tea, as people say. And I loved it. I thought it was great. It's the kind of thing I'd watch all the time if they'd let me. But they put these entertaining matches on for people. And I want, no, I want grinding misery in my wrestling matches and more of it. Uh, so for me, it was perfect. Other people, not so much. Marcus, you're other people. What did you think? Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't recommend anybody calling up James and asking him, uh, did he watch the, the Stone Cold match from, from WrestleMania? I, I doubt it. He's um, aware of it, but sitting down there watching it's just not his thing. Um, but yeah, again, this is why you watch Ring of Honor. These pure matches never disappoint. And this one certainly didn't disappoint. Uh, Willa Yuta is somebody who really kind of just sneaks up on you um, in, in the best way. Also, J Josh has, uh, you know, very much evolved in a really great way. I mean, him knocking off Jonathan Gresham was a real nod to the, the faith and um, the level he had gotten to and the faith the company was putting in him because, you know, Gresham is at, at this point, he's uh, he's a sure bet in wrestling. So um, to take the title off, put him on Josh. Obviously, Gresham was going in a, in a more elevated direction, but Josh, had to pick up that torch. I think he's been carrying it well. And you would have kind of just got him. It really feels like it could have went either way. And you would have kind of just got him with the elbows at the end, um, which will knock anybody out when you take him like that, the way you gave him to him. And he kind of put him in a position. He got himself to, to win. Um, like I said, it could have went either way. This was a great match. Another one of the matches, like we talked about in the last show, I could have could have added another 10 minutes on. Um, and it would have been perfectly fine. But, uh, yeah, hell of an out. And I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes with, with, uh, with Yuta and uh Josh, Josh will be back. You know, he, he's not, like I said, he's evolved from the goods to the beast, and he's earned that title. So, um, but yeah, I could I could I, I could watch this all day. Yes. yes. Uh, Wheeler Utah has swiftly moved on to a non-title match with Brian Danielson on AEW on Friday Night's Rampage and has been joined in that Blackpool Violence Club Um with John Moxley and Brian Danielson is now mentored by uh, one William Regal. So his career has suddenly gone through the roof. <laughs> um, Josh Woods is a guy I do think would work in AEW, though. I think he would match exactly that kind of style of wrestling. You know, he's, he's a very much a kind of Wigan kind of guy. And I think, you know, if you give him William, William Regal, James Woods, I think William Regal would rub his hands with glee and go, right, I can make something with him. Um, so, yeah. I find that was an interesting story this week of um, somebody interviewed William Regal. He's been in AWR for like two weeks uh, or a month, maybe. And he said, you know, he's been in a training position and a management position in NXT for years and years and years and kind of thought, well, I'd best go and find something else to do for a living before I retire, uh, move back to the UK and what have you. And then AEW called him up. He was like, we just want you to manage people. And I was like, all right, that's fine. Yeah, I could do that. It'd be cool. It'd be interesting. Not to take, you know, not as hard work. And he says, of course, as soon as I start doing that, people keep asking me to do stuff. So I'm back to training people again. Because <laughs> I just show people stuff because I like teaching people. 
So essentially, I think AEW signed the, the best deal they possibly could when they got William Regal. I think that was just like absolute genius level thing to do. We don't get to talk about AEW very much. We don't really cover it much on here. It's more of the uh, Wrestling Rewinds kind of deal. But I am absolutely over the moon that William Regal landed on his feet. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think somebody like William uh, Regal always land on his feet. He's, he, you know, he really is uh, comes off like a high quality guy. But you know, no matter what they're paying him, it it, it really pales in comparison to the priceless knowledge that is comprised in that man's head that he yeah. could give yeah. the roster that that in a lot of ways they so desperately needed in so many ways. So you know, this 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 was a uh, truly a a high quality pickup that you know. And like I say, even in this position, he most on NXT because he was kind of playing a. It felt like a subservient role as the things got on because he felt like he kept getting punked in a way. Um, and William Regal is not somebody to be getting punked. So to, to see him start this kind of savage faction, if you will, I think is great and it gets to show more his personality. And he kind of gets to also put hands on people, which I never uh, not cheer when it comes to Regal. So yeah. Yes, indeed. And then we came to the main event of the evening, Bandido, the Ring of Honor World's Heavyweight Champion versus Jonathan Gresham, the Ring of Honor World's Heavyweight Champion. Uh, 24 minutes and 55 seconds. Bandido was the champ, of course, at the end of the run of Ring of Honor, but had COVID-19 and could not wrestle Gresham on its last night. Gresham uh, wrestled Jay Lethal for the championship and took the original Ring of Honor World Championship home. Bandido wrestled Gresham to unify the championships and by God, did they deliver a professional wrestling match they could be proud of. Uh, Gresham's halfway there to being an AW signee. Bandido kind of going back to Mexico as far as we know. Hopefully, though, I think he would shine in AW. And of course, he was in the main event of All In. Um, so, yeah, I think an interesting main event, which told a great story. Chavo Carrera Jr. had been managing Bandido and... Um, kind of turned on Bandido halfway through this match because Bandido wouldn't cheat enough for his liking, which I thought was intriguing. It was a nice old-school Guerrero story, which I appreciated greatly. Um, and, but then they had a clean finish to the match. And then we'll talk about what happened after the match in a moment. But your thoughts on the match itself first, Marcus. Absolute, absolute banger. Like I said, it, there was really no following that tag match on any stretch. <laughs> Um, you just you just can't do it. Um, but this this was damn good. This was damn good. Um, we all know, like I said, Gresh, Gresham is an ace, and Bandino Bandito has really grown on me. Um, and and the kid can go. He's got a lot a lot of moves. He's he's another ace uh, in his own right. And I normally don't like uh, Chavo in anything. <laughs> uh, and that's not personal against me. Just doesn't really do a lot for me. But I I, I liked him here because, like you said, it goes back to that that old school storytelling and specifically with the Guerrero of it all. It's like, I'm literally teaching you how to lie, cheat, and steal. And you keep playing dumb. It's like, like he was on the sideline, like this kid wouldn't know how to take a free sample. And it was, uh, it, it was good that way. And uh, yeah, the whole match, the, the, it was, uh, it was everything. This match kind of gave you a little bit of everything, man. Uh, obviously the wrestling, the, 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 semantics and antics with which I was around the ring and then we got some great stuff after but this is definitely another match that you watched this show for they, they put on a band uh, yeah um and then at the end of this particular match Jay Lethal comes out to confront Jonathan Gresham 
um, and there's a bit of a, a, a to-do. Uh, Lee Moriarty comes out to try and save, save Jonathan Gresham. But then the return of Samoa Joe. He comes out of the curtain for Ring of Honor for the first time in seven years, six years. And he ends up finishing the show, cutting a promo on everyone, giving him Justin Gresham his blessing and looking like a million dollars. And someone put a picture up of this WrestleMania weekend where he ends up being one of the biggest uh, stars of the weekend versus last WrestleMania weekend where he was covered in plastic and doing commentary with Michael Cole in the rain. And that pretty much summed up a year in professional wrestling as far as I'm concerned. What's your thoughts on Joe returning to Ring of Honor and AEW? He will challenge Minoru Suzuki for the Ring of Honor Television Championship this Wednesday on uh, Dynamite. And, and honestly, I don't watch Dynamite on a regular basis, but I'm watching that. Because <laughs> I'm watching that. It's Ring of Honor. It's the Ring of Honor TV title on AEW show. It's Minoru Suzuki versus Samoa Joe. You've got me, lads. I'm coming. What's your thoughts on the whole process and where do you think Ring of Honor goes from here? Does it stay as a separate brand? Are we going to see a lot more cross-pollination? What's your thoughts, Marcus? Yeah, I mean, look, this was one of my hands-down favorite, maybe my favorite moment of the weekend. Like, Joe is just, uh, Joe's Joe. Um, and Joe's always going to be great in the right position. Like you said, came out there looking like a million bucks, great theme music. Um, I was hoping either he kept his, his theme uh, music from the last time he came back in a big way, but uh, uh, they got him some really good theme music. And, and I was telling this to... Uh, one of my friends I was talking to and uh, I, I was like, cause I, in his mind, he kind of feels like Joe's kind of uh, weaned off and kind of fallen off in some ways over the years and uh, feels like he could do some stuff to kind of, I guess, elevate. But like I said, Joe's Joe out there. I feel like he put him in the right position uh, and he can be the best thing on any show. But ultimately, and I know you agree with this, Joe has something that wrestlers who've been in the business almost you know, past a decade or more, just they never really develop, and that's a presence. Joe has a presence about himself that that'll make him stand out on any show that that's not even a wrestling show. And it's just uh, it's really good to see him in that position again. Like you said last time, we he was at a, at on a Mania weekend. He was standing in the rain in a raincoat next to Michael Cole. Which I would imagine might not be a bad payday, but it don't really do nothing for the legend that is Samoa Joe. So to see him come out and do his thing and get a hero's welcome kind of reminded me of like uh, how Rey Mysterio got the reaction he did when he first showed up in Lucha Underground, which is still one of my favorite returns uh, for for a performer. It was just it was just great to see. Um, now get to your other part of the question about uh, what I think Ring of Honor's going. I hope they keep it separate. And cross pollinate because I think that's that's good going across both uh, brands. Obviously, you know we've seen it with Jay and so many others, but I think I think it'll ultimately be good for AEW and certainly good for Ring of Honor. They won't necessarily have to um, rely as heavily as they did on on the New Japan. We we've talked about how that relationship has kind of eroded over the years and how heavily they relied on it at one point, um, and then they finally got under from under that and kind of got back to their own thing. But uh, I'm hoping Tony Khan really sees the value in, in, in Ring of Honor staying separate 
um, and kind of letting this do its own thing while EW does theirs, and they kind of cross pollinate when it's necessary. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's really cool to see uh, what we got, and obviously Joe coming to Ring of Honor by proxy, he's kind of coming through AEW, and uh, I think it says all you need to know about the match potentiality of that match with Minoru when James say he's going to tune in. So you, you definitely want to do that. But yeah, like I said, I hope Tony really sees the value in keeping Ring of Honor its own thing because that fan base is still intact. And that'll be a great way to kind of wean them to the AEW product because the people who watch AEW aren't necessarily Ring of Honor fans and, and vice versa, as we talked about on our last show with the Multiverse of Madness, Impact kind of has bubble fans that are that a view other shows when it, when it's kind of convenient for them. Not, not that that AEW partnership did anything to help that. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, I think that this is the thing. I mean, there's, we have more cross-pollination this week as well. New Japan Pro Wrestling announced they will be carrying uh, Rampage and Dynamite uh, on a delay for the Japanese audience with Japanese commentary. I'm hoping we can. We, I don't think we can see it in the UK because Rampage and Dynamite are on ITV4 uh, in the middle of the night, which I can't watch. So I watch it on catch up online, and it takes you ooh, three hours to watch a two-hour wrestling show because there are that many adverts on it. Honestly, seven or eight minutes of commercials. <laughs> you know, like you watch AEW and it goes picture in picture. They don't do picture in picture in the UK. They just stop, <laughs> do seven minutes of commercials, and then go back to the show. Yeah, that's, that's always seen strange. I, I, you know, I love the UK, but it's always been strange to me. I'm like, they, the, 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 how y'all get things so much later than we do? I'm like, I don't know if I can stand it in a lot of ways. It's kind of infuriating. It's like, um, saw somebody bringing up, um, talking about uh, cancellations of a lot of talk shows in America over here. And then they're talking about like somebody mentioned like podcasts may have a, something to do with that because in a lot of ways, a lot of those shows that we see on daytime are kind of taped. So by the time we see them, they're behind the cycle of news that they should be covering on those shows because shows like good morning American stuff can, can go live and cover things as they happen. And whereas, you know, podcasts do that as well. So they kind of, they kind of, you know, a lot of these shot talk shows are kind of behind the eight ball and kind of getting phased out. So, like I said, if I was in the UK, I'm like, I don't know why the gap is so, so far. I feel like there's an easier way to kind of bridge that. But, you know, I guess that's way out of my pay grade, you know. Yeah, I know. What you're saying. It's like we get uh, dynamites on a Wednesday in the States. We get it on Friday and with all those commercials in the UK. And there are other means of watching Dynamite, which obviously I would never suggest that anyone look at an illegal stream of anything ever, because that's wrong, and you should support the wrestling companies involved. But you are encouraging people to then go, oh, I'll go and watch it online somewhere else, because I can watch it on Thursday morning before I go to work. Yeah, just saying, if you sped the process up, it might be a bit easier to deal with. But there we go. Anywho... Uh, shall we move on, Marcus, to the other shows from the weekend? Yeah. So I'm going to give you a choice, okay? You can have the choice of Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 8 or Joey Dunella's Spring Break 1 and 2. What's it to be, Marcus? 
you know, listening back to your enthusiasm about the 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 uh, Willa Yuta and the Josh Woods match, I think we could go go dive into some blood sport. I'm in some blood sport. The the nice friendly named blood sport. <laughs> we still opened with Masha Slamovich and Jan Jan Ikai in a well, it's the standard blood sports submissions and knockouts only. No ropes. Do what you like. <laughs> And this was this was oppressively good. I love Masha Slamovich. I love Janelle Kai. I, they just did each other really hard for four minutes. You can't you can't you can't complain with that, can you? Each other hard, and uh, Slamovich won the submission. The wrestler beat the striker, and that's kind of what these shows are about, really. It's yeah, it's just good. I liked it a lot. It was fun. Um, and you probably know Masha more from Impact Wrestling, and you may not have come across Janelle Kai before. No, but I, I like I like I said, I checked some of these uh, stuff out, and I was like you said, I got introduced to this uh, Samovich and Impact, and she she's a problem. Like she's you know she's got the look, she's got the demeanor, the presence, and certainly has the skills. So I would imagine there's you know more of an incentive to kind of turn that up in Bloodsport. And I mean, how can you be mad at that? You know fans of the show know how much we love women's wrestling so if you get to turn that up into like like an elevated version with, with you know those kind of those pure rules and whatnot and like you said you've got the, the smasher versus the you know the, the wrestler it's just you know this is why you watch it you know so uh, I'm not surprised at all you know yeah it was, it was exceptional for what it was it didn't last very long but none of these matches last very long you don't really want them to last very long because <laughs> someone's going to get hurt they only do this every once in a while there's a reason why this only happens every two or three months because it's really stiff and you're going to be sore in the morning uh, but yeah, Masha, Jenna Kai go watch her wrestle she's exceptional you should go see her stuff, she's very very good uh, next up Ninja Mac, hey our friend Ninja Mac he won, he beat Yoya uh, by referee's decision, six minutes and six seconds on knockout more or less again this was fun Ninja Mac actually unmasked at the beginning of the match to show respect to the fans of Bloodsport. I like Yo-Yo a lot. He follows me on Twitter, which is obviously going to make my impression of him much, much better. <laughs> so does Masha, to be fair. She's really cool. Um, yeah, Ninja Mac versus Yo-Yo was really, really fun. And again, it was a bit more striker versus wrestler. Yo-Yo's got this kind of scrappy underdog feel to him. He's a little bit shorter and a little bit lighter. He's even probably below cruiserweight like heavyweight kind of weight wrestler, but he's an exceptional wrestler. So he's kind of got Zack Sabre Jr. style of approach to professional wrestling, which this is perfect for. And this was fun. So Ninja Mac wins in six minutes and six seconds. I hope we see more of him. He's good. Same. And he you know, rightfully deserved to, because uh, this was this was before or after his, uh, the Ring of Honor. Yeah, it was, ooh, let me have a look. I've got the dates here. This was on the 31st, so it would have been... Um, I've just closed the Ring of Honor one. <laughs> Let me see if I can find it. Um, do, 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 do. Hey. Um, yeah, the Ring of Honor show would have been on the first. It was the day before. So, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, but he definitely deserved to win because of what was coming. So, they, like you said, these matches are long, but they don't, they don't need to be these. Like, these are not... Uh, on matches that you want to go extend it because <laughs> go get to a point where it's like, okay, I need I need some ice, you know. So, <laughs> uh, 
you know, so yeah, it's, it's good to see you got when I can say he's got a hell of a look, hell of a aesthetic, so I, I definitely want to see uh, more of him. Okay, then we move on to the next match, which was uh, Royce Isaacs versus Bad Dude Tito. Royce Isaacs, formerly of the NWA, currently in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Bad Dude Tito, also of New Japan Pro Wrestling. They kind of have these matches on strong a lot, but they're more regular wrestling matches. This was a, a right brawl, proper submission match. Five minutes and 37 seconds with Royce Isaacs taking the win. I like Bad Dude Tito because he's called Bad Dude Tito. What more could you want than that? Also completing the New Japan connection was the fact that we had uh, Rocky Romero on commentary, which was really, really cool. Uh, it was Rocky Romero and Leonard, Lenny Leonard. It was fun commentary team. They worked really well together. Thoroughly enjoyed it because obviously it's a bit more complicated doing shoot style wrestling matches. You need commentators who know what they're talking about. And they did a very, very good job because sometimes they'll listen to commentary for these shows and been like, ah, <laughs> but this was good. Yeah, and coming off that a uh, that uh, NWA show, I can uh, we obviously talking knowledge about shoddy commentary, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's uh, and also somebody who was having to watch so many shenanigans dealing with uh, NXT call ups. I'm just glad to have you know wrestling shows for the cause of people with with good names, you know, <laughs> good names. <laughs> not like Gunter. <laughs> Oh dear. Anyway, Butch, Butch, Butch. Oh Pete, uh, what did they do to you? They've ruined him. <laughs> it's just like how to stop somebody's man. Is this unbridled killer? What are you going to call him, Butch? <laughs> yeah, no, no, just, just no. Oh, let's move on to the next one. Uh, Alex Coughlin, of, formerly of the New Japan Dele Dojo, defeats Slade, which is, again, an awesome name for a wrestler. Slade, billed from Rikers Island. Um, referee's decision, three minutes and 34 seconds. Coughlin is a bit of a monster when it comes to submission wrestling, as you'd expect by someone who was trained by Satsuri Shibata. <laughs> so this is just up his street. And uh, Slade, just a big dude. He's got a bit of skills, but he's a bit smash mouth. And I saw him a bit over the GCW weekend and he impressed me. It was good. Three minutes and 34 seconds. It was a bit of a kind of back and forth, but it was going to be the guy who could wrestle one in the end. Yeah, and it tells you a lot, like you said, if it's uh, just looking at that, a hint about that contrast, like, you know, also like the concept and, and uh, about the referee's decision because it kind of tells you how stuff went without even it before you even see it. Mm. Uh, it's kind of also, obviously, with our, on our last show, we came out praising. Uh, rightfully so, Zack Sabre Jr., who won uh, New Japan Cup. Um, you, you would think that would be how a lot of his matches end, because the way he puts people in submissions, they ain't even in really positions to tap because everything's tied up. So, you know, that's always uh, interesting to hear about a ref's decision. But but again, that that kind of, that result speaks more to the concept of blood sport, I think, than, than certainly a regular submission of pen, So Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, the next matchup was John Hennigan, formerly Johnny Morrison, like the last person in the world I expected to see on a Bloodsport show. I'm like, he's the like the least shooty type person I could possibly think of. But then again, I used to think the same thing about Simon Gotch. Um, and Simon Gotch is actually exceptionally good at this. Five minutes and 59 seconds. Johnny Hennigan start, came out as Johnny Hennigan. And then obviously the fans just started calling him Johnny Bloodsport because that's what they did. And they announced him as Johnny Bloodsport straight afterwards because 
he's already been named. <laughs> and yeah, this was pretty thrilling. I enjoyed this. This was different because Hennigan kind of brought that, uh, the kind of thing you'd expect him to do in a regular wrestling match, but more of a kind of a shoot-based approach. So it was like those odd acrobatic gymnastic-y things that you can do um, and just put it into a wrestling match that was just like a straight-up shoot fight. So it, just, it was just fascinating to watch. Like, how is he going to get out of this? So there you go. But yeah, well worth to watch this one. Not for it being particularly great wrestling match. It was fairly standard, but it's just different. Wrestling thrives on different. Put a match together that I don't know I wanted to see, and I'll be happy. Yeah, I mean, Simon Gatch is a name I haven't heard, uh, feels like, in years, obviously, since the VOD villains. Um, mm. I certainly know one person you probably don't want to put him in the ring with is Enzo Amore. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, John, Johnny. Uh, and, and even if you're not a fan of uh, John Hennigan, you gotta appreciate. Uh, speaking of like bad names, he got like an all-purpose name for, for, for as a character. You know, Johnny Johnny Mundo. Johnny, you know, he got that all-purpose last name thing. So Johnny Bloodsport, that's cool. And I just like you said that that contrast of styles. You know, John Hennigan's he's he's all flash and then this that and the third, but he can go too. So. Um, him going with somebody like Gachu, even like I said, when he was evolving, it was very technical ground based kind of ground and pound. Um, it's that contrast of style creates a situation where like, I, I really didn't know I wanted this. And somebody like Simon Gotch can make somebody like a, a John Hennigan, like I, this is not a shooting, this is not a, a stardust drive type of match. So, you know. Simon Gotch will be going off to Nepro Wrestling Noah, who managed to shoot themselves in the foot something awful this week um, because for reasons best known to themselves they thought it'd be a really good idea to re-sign Michael Elgin and as you can imagine their Twitter feed is just a long series of no, no, no sex pest, no, no, why are you doing this? Ah! Um, if you wish to complain to Noah, there is a form on their website, which you can find in numerous places on Twitter, as people have reposted it. I oh, that's strongly suggest you do. Yes. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, that's that's the foot, the ankle, the leg, kneecap, all that. Oh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's uh, good luck with that PR. Yeah. Yes, um, they haven't replied back to any of these things, including the long litany of sexual assault complaints that people have against him. And just the weirdo behavior like, trying to explain away all of the sexual assaults in people DMs, including uh, Christy, who works at the Troopany Show, um, and Patches, who has been a guest on the Troopany Show. <laughs> this isn't like people randomly accusing him of stuff. It's people I know. Um, so yeah, there's that. And uh, mass, mass cancellations of the rest of the universe uh, subscriptions have gone on this week. So I don't think we'll be looking at Noah shows anytime soon until that situation has been rectified. Anywho, moving on with this show, Marina Shafir, uh, formerly of NXT, defeated Zida Zhang, formerly of NXT, 7 to 54 seconds. Marina Shafir is one of the four horsewomen of martial arts. Um, and it's a better wrestler than Ronda Rousey. Uh, in fact, the other three were all better wrestlers than Ronda Rousey, and only Shayna got anywhere. Uh, but Marina Shafir, are perfectly suited for this particular environment. Zida Zhang, also pretty bang on for this environment and it was a lot of fun to watch there's also a bit of a grudge match because there was rumors that Shafir and Zhang didn't get on in NXT and they played off of that which is exactly what you wanted to see you know that's that's cool to hear it's even better to hear about Marina Shafir kind of finding her 
a sweet spot because she she really couldn't she didn't come off well in NXT, and I think a lot of it had to do with just the situation she was in. Obviously, you know, you bring up Shayna. Uh, she was playing a lot of her, she basically one of, you know, her backups all the time. And it didn't really play well to kind of get her in, into a zone where she could consistently come off looking good. So it's nice to hear her um, find a place in Bloodsport, which probably, like you said, a better fit for her in that way. With uh, Zeta Zane kind of playing off of that. Uh, something that might not have benefited her when she was in NXT, kind of playing that up. It, it Stuff like that just works. So I'm glad to see, you know, these women kind of find their groove. Yeah, she's got, she's got that look that's perfect for this. She doesn't do anything flashy. She comes down wearing a pair of leggings and a sports bra and a hoodie, takes the hoodie off, beats the shit out of people, puts the hoodie back on, walks for that. <laughs> what more do you need? Yeah, that's it. Um, next up, J.R. Kratos defeated the returning Timothy Thatcher in nine minutes and 26 seconds. This one lasted a long ass time. <laughs> but anyway, I, Thatcher absolutely ran him ragged for about five minutes. The place went crazy for Thatcher, making his return from WWE. They love him there because he's a proper old school nutcase. Kratos is ex bigots and hope kind of guy. He's wrestled a lot for New Japan and the NWA. Um, and it was just a brilliant way to set up Thatcher, even though he lost, he didn't really lose anything out of this because he got knocked out. Kratos just overpowered him. But, it, it, you know, it was a good way of elevating Kratos and it was really, really good. I can't say an awful lot about it because it was just two big lads eating one another really hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at Kratos now and I'm like, OK, it's not the size of dog in the fight. Like, no, sometimes it's the size of the dog. And sometimes it is. Um, but that that that's I think that's a great uh thing to bring up because you're not gonna find dogs with, with much more fight in them than a Timothy Thatcher. You know, he's one of those guys that's perfectly suited for this smash mouth style because he has no problem getting smashed in the mouth or smashing somebody else in the mouth. Um and he probably kept the scar from the last time he got smashed in the mouth. So um <laughs> Yeah, the fact that you got knocked out here, you know, like, feels like it's probably no no shame getting knocked out by Kratos, but somebody like that, you know, won't take it, take it hard, because that's what he lives for. He's the guy that that looks forward to the the uh, bowling shoe ugly matches, and I appreciate about him. I appreciate that about him in NXT. Um, you know, when he was when he was going back and forth with Ciampa and guys like that, and uh, yeah, he's just he's consistent in that way. Yeah, he is. I, I love the guy just for that particular motion. Next up, Yue Uemura. You remember that guy from Best of Super Juniors a couple of years ago, Marcus? Little guy, slightly built. Had that really nice uh, golden, uh, sorry, uh, Northern Light Suplex. You remember him? Now he's about four inches taller, 30 pounds heavier, and kicks people really hard. Uh, and he went up against Speed Mike, Mike Bailey, who kicks people really hard. There was a lot of kicking in this match, and by gum, it was a lot of fun. Four stars from the Wrestling Observer, 7.27 from the cage match users. It was the match of the night, really. It wasn't quite the match of the night. It was well up there, though. Thoroughly enjoyable. Really enjoyed this match, and I'd like to see these two together again. Please, Impact Wrestling, if you could book you a Yumura every once in a while, that'd be nice. Yeah, anybody's... Oh, man. Um, it's funny. Any, anybody that, that may be familiar with the... Uh, Car game turned into anime Pokemon. Um, <laughs> it 
looked like he he went from a Kushida evolved into like a super Sonata. <laughs> in a way. And that's 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 cool to see because he was, you know, it, it was great watching him in New Japan and obviously Mike Bailey. I'm so glad that he's able to be over here consistently now because you know, Impact has really benefited from having him and it's cool to see him go all around and have that stuff. But yeah, Impact, you know, please take James advice and, and, and get that guy down there because uh yeah, he's just one of those guys that's really cool to see, you know, because uh, I think when we was watching, he was coming up as a young lion. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's just really cool to see that process, you know, take hold and uh, these guys get better because that's what the whole purpose of that stuff is. They put them in pressure situations in, in New Japan up against a lot of those veterans so they can evolve in that way. So, yeah, it's, it's good to see him again and uh, getting up there with guys like Mike Bailey, who's not going to ever give you a lackluster match, certainly physically. No, absolutely not. He was absolutely the star of this weekend. I think of all the people that really showed off, there was a couple of people. Um, uh, Old Heartblade Christian, uh, Speedball Mike Bailey, and Ninja Mac were the guys that just really stood out to me. You had a really good weekend. They're going to get bookings. They are going to get propelled further in the companies they work for. And uh, yeah, thoroughly enjoyable. Because uh, uh, Blake Christian was on that pre-show that we talked about that we didn't talk about. He was on that Ring of Honor pre-show. He was on the show we talked about last week. And he's on more of these shows we're going to talk about next. <laughs> so, yeah. Next up on this card was the War Master, Josh Barnett. He defeated Joe Min- Jonah in eight minutes and 46 seconds. Nice to see Jonah doing the style of match he's not kind of known for. Um, and in, in the sense of a shoot-style, submission-style match. This was a big-ass brawl, and it was really, really good. I really enjoy this. I'll watch Josh, Josh Barnett wrestle in a, in a telephone booth. If I had to, I'd watch him all the time. I just love the guy, and I think Jonah's actually really cool, too. Yeah, same. Monette is an invisibly imposing presence. has been really cool and impressive to see what he's been able to do with these buzz sports, specifically getting names who you would, like you said, the John Hennigan's by, like, a Jonah some other guys to, to get down here and really get down and really get gritty. Um, and, and John, like you said, Josh Barnett is a big one who plays no games. And Jonah is just a mass of a human. So <laughs> the, the, the potentiality that I'm sure you could, I'm sure you could have got maybe five or 10 more minutes out of this and been perfectly fine with it. So yeah, definitely a match. Definitely one of these matches you probably want to go back and watch. Yeah, I would think so. It, it, it's a good, like, big guy versus big guy kind of match in this particular style, which you don't see very often because there aren't many proficient big guys who can do shoot style like this. But, you know, Bloodsport has become this place people want to go wrestle at. And the none more so than this particular next matchup. Biff Busick is, loses to John Moxley in 10 minutes and 25 seconds in an ungodly slice of violence that only these two could manage to produce. For those of you who don't know uh, Biff Busick, he was Wani Lorcan in NXT, where in classic NXT style, they took a guy who wore black boots and black tights and took the interesting bits away from him. <laughs> it's like, we're not starting an awful lot, but we're going to make everything that makes him look individual, I'm going to take it away from him. Because he used he was the guy that always used to tweet in block capitals all the time. And then they, stopped, they asked him to stop doing it. And it's like, well, that was his thing. Why would you take his thing away from him? Mm. That makes no sense. Uh, But this match was, oh, it was great. It was Moxley when he's on form. 
I read something the Minoru Suzuki said this week, and he was absolutely bang on. And it's still my philosophy about how wrestling training should go. Minoru Suzuki said, John Moxley's a great wrestler because he only knows how to do one thing, but he does it better than anybody else. And that's why he's a great wrestler. He said, you take all of these guys, and he was basically, he was trying to be nice. He wasn't talking about NXT, but he was basically saying, you take a wrestler who does one thing really well, and then you try and bring up all his other stuff to be as good as that one thing. But then he's just the same as everybody else. So you have this roster full of blancmange because everybody's the same. And he said, the reason why John Moxley is a great wrestler is because he's terrible at everything else, but he's really good at this. <laughs> and I was like, that's great. That's just genius. And that's what Moxley did here. Moxley is a straight ahead, violence wrestler. So is Biff Busick. Let him go. And they knocked seven bells out of one another. There was blood everywhere. And it was a great brawl that wasn't a particular scientific classic that you kind of expect in Blood Source, but by gum, it was entertaining. Yeah, man, Moxley, that, that, that's a special, you know, honestly, you know, and obviously we had him for a while um, as as his alter, alter ego in, in WWE. But I, I feel like you could watch him from his age EW career on as the start of, of you know, uh, who he is as somebody who walking into and getting introduced from, from the first time. Just watch him as John Moxley from EW on out because uh, this is who this guy really is. Um, and I think to Manolo's point, uh, which is a great point, the other half of that is he doesn't try to be anything else. He doesn't try to be known for one thing and, and, and go and, and then try to be this, you know, he's not trying to be a Zack Sabre Jr. or Go and, and try to be a bigger wrestler than he is, and, and picking people up for Jack Hamels and this and the third. He knows what he's good at, and he does it every single time to everybody. He just had a bond burner with, with Willie Yuta on on uh, Rampage, and it was great. Um, and somebody like Bit Music is another one. When he, him teaming with uh, Thatcher and NXT, they were the best tag team. Uh, that would probably never put in the best position. Like I'm thinking about mm. like mm. another bond burner situation, like them versus like Imperium. That's a main event on any show, specifically if you give them the time. Um, but they really could stack up against any tag team because somebody like a a, a batch and a music, they will knock your teeth in. You know, and it was it's just uh, it's cool to see. So. Yeah, like I said, it's probably it's probably cringeworthy to a lot of people, but it is it is this particular match is why blood sport is put on. So yeah, this is yes. And then your main event of the evening, the return of the day, Daddy Chris Dickinson, who defeats Minoru Suzuki by referee's decision in nine minutes and forty-five seconds. This was by no means a picture perfect wrestling hall style match. There was plenty of that. There was some great technical wrestling, but this was about Chris Dickinson reasserting himself as the guy in Bloodsport, and he beat Minoru Suzuki in a main event of a major show. And I, he did point out, I'm not sure why people aren't talking about this, and they should have been because this was great. This was outstanding work, and Minoru Suzuki, as always, does his very, very level best to bring on new talent and help develop them. And this does Chris Dickinson the world of good in a match that was just exemplary outstanding it kind of was overshadowed by moxley and Busick, but it was going to be the main event because dickinson was coming back from a broken leg 
And uh, like, there's your first assignment coming back from Broken Leg. I'd like to wrestle Minoru Suzuki, please. <laughs> like, we'll keep the beer warm for you. <laughs> but yes, that was the main event. Any thoughts on that match? Oh, God. I'll go back and watch it because, I mean, obviously, we just got obviously just got through talking about Minoru Red Titus. Um, it's just a different level. Um, it's, it's not saying that Manoa is also one of those characters, like I said before. He don't necessarily need a title, but he's also another person that doesn't suffer when he takes L's either because he's just that guy. Um, he could be anybody at any given time. Uh, so somebody that goes over him, like you said, it should get more um, clout than it does. But, you know, ultimately, I think it uh, definitely does a lot for that young man's confidence and that character in that brand going forward. And... Uh, yeah, he's he's no slouch. He's no small guy. So if he's one of the aces in blood sport, you know, um, he definitely deserves gold. Definitely. Yeah. All right, then we move right. on to Joey Janela's Spring Break Part One. This was a show that went on for far too long because there was two two sections to it. But, but we'll be quick because there's other stuff to talk about as well. Uh, Briscoes, Jay and Mark Briscoe defeat Nick Gage and Slade, who was replacing Matt Tremont. And the second gear crew, Mance Warner and Matthew Justice, to reclaim their JCW Tag Team Championships in 11 minutes and 18 seconds. It was all right. <laughs> it was a bit of a mess, but it was intriguing to me that four of their biggest stars were in the opening match, which tells you how big this card was and how far GCW's come in the last 12 months. Putting Nick Gage in the opener, that's a brave maneuver, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And I think, it, you know, kudos to him because obviously, you know, with his, uh, where he is and, and, and what he means to this brand, he could very much put himself in a lot of positions that would solely benefit him, but he didn't do that. He put himself at, at the top, get in there, get on out of the way and let the kind of rest of the car do what it does. So, you know, kudos to him and that, that, that selfish act because we've obviously seen that, uh, the antithesis of that in other places and it's absolutely run companies into the ground. So, you know, tip of the hat. This is the Briscoe. This is the Briscoe second rain. Oh, hang on. This is the Briscoe second rain, which unfortunately for them did not last that long because they lost to Team Bussy yesterday. So they held the belts for a week. What well, what can you do? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just, and that's the match I want to see because I don't. I, you know, one of the reasons why AEW didn't particularly want the Briscoes is because the which was mentioned last week, there things they said when they were younger, which they deeply regret now, but it shows you how much they've moved on when they said things that were clearly homophobic over Twitter, and they were perfectly fine wrestling a team like Effie and Ali Cat, which is just shows you that they have grown as people, which I appreciate. Anyway, we'll move on to the next match, which was Blake Christian defeating AR Fox, who was with Ayla Fox, 13 minutes and 13 seconds. I'll watch AR Fox and Blake Christian watch all wrestle all day and all night and twice on Sundays, please. Cause this was really, really good. Just AR Fox is just excellent. He's kind of grown as a character and I've really enjoyed his work that I've seen of it the last 12 months and Blake Christian having a breakout weekend. And this was a big win for him on a big show. No, I don't doubt it. I mean, Blake Christian, obviously I've seen him impact that, that, that guy is, a highlight reel in his own right now. Oh, Fox, I haven't really seen a lot of him since his days in, in underground lucha, but, you know, and also that, that's, that's a while back, but he's also been one of these guys who we haven't seen a lot of him in, in quote-unquote on mainstream in a lot of ways, but I think he thrives better in the positions he's in. 
Um, and again, he's another person that's a highlight reel. So I don't, you know, 13 minutes, 13 uh, seconds. That that's a lot for guys who can move and do what those guys do. So that, that's definitely one of those matches I say probably go check out. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay, the next matchup was Mickey James making, I believe, her GCW debut. She defeated Ali Catch in 11 minutes and 17 seconds with that flow over DDT of hers. This was really good. It wasn't the best thing on the card. I think they could have had a bit more time, and I think it was probably a bigger match than they kind of gave it credit for. And the fans were really into it. But they started booing Mickey James. And Ali Catch was very unhappy about that because she said she's one of my heroes. And you should definitely never boo Mickey James because she's just far too good, which I completely agree with. Yeah, I respect that. Uh, I dig it. Um, obviously, you know, she uh, did the honors for, for a hero. And um, it's cool to see Mickey get out and get in these environments. And I think it's doing a lot for her in terms of style and, and presentation as well. So that's that's cool to see. And I, I, it's all to blame the G, GCW crowd too much. It's just it's just how they are. We're mm-hmm. with, with people like that. We see somebody like Cardona is thriving because of that, because he's obviously feeding into that. But, you know, it's just how they are towards people who, who come from elsewhere and they feel like they have a certain sheen to them that they don't necessarily have in high regard. But ultimately, you know, Mickey is a, is a legend in the own right. And it's cool to see her come down there and, uh, you know, do a thing in the place like GCW and obviously, you know, continue to build against build against uh younger talents, even even in a win. Like that that's a that's a win that only helps somebody like Ali Catch, which Ali Catch, that's another good name. So <laughs> Okay, next up was the seven way scramble. Nick Wayne defeated Alec Price, Gringo Loco, Jack Cartwheel, Jim Lloyd, Jordan Oliver, and Ninja Mac. <laughs> Eight minutes and nine seconds. Honestly can't remember what happened in this match. I like Jimmy Lloyd for a big man. He can move really well. Nick Wayne really had a good good presence in this match. And Ninja Pack was really good. Not that the others were bad. It's just those were the ones that stood out to me. Jordan Oliver stood out as well. It was just, it's, it's a seven-way scramble match. There's not that you can say about it. <laughs> even, yeah, even without seeing it, this feels like something that I would see if I uh, like went and checked out one of the AAA shows, like Triple yeah. Main, except none of these guys are, are, are masked. Um, well, one of them was. Oh yeah, Ninja Mac. Yeah, yeah, yeah my, my mistake. Yeah, but uh, aside from that, a seven. This feels like the one, a seven way scramble. This sounds like the one match like TNA just didn't call seven way scramble <laughs> back in the day. It's like y'all, y'all had a bunch of scramble matches. Y'all just didn't call them that. But uh, yeah, I take I take your word for it. I mean, if it was a scramble and they that's what that's what they was there for. I'm pretty sure they they got it in in eight minutes. That they, they scrambled. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They did. Uh, next up was the storyline match of the evening. Obviously, Joey Janela spring break, so Joey Janela was going to be involved somewhere, you'd hope. <laughs> um, Joey Janela has had a change of heart these days. He's no longer the benevolent force behind good for independent wrestling. He's a bit of a dick. And as such, he was challenged by X-Pac, Sean Waltman, and they had a pretty good match for 19 minutes and 19 seconds. Let's be honest, Joey is not Lou Fez. And Sean is quite a long past his peak. But for a match that they were trying to tell a story of, it was really, really good. And Sean Waltman gave his blessing to GCW um, as the place to be. That's what he said. He said, I, you know, obviously a lot of commentary towards Scott Hall and uh, good faith in that. 
and it was nice to see Sean wrestle because I love watching Sean wrestle and I've loved watching Sean wrestle since the first time I saw him in Dallas, Texas in GFW nearly ooh, 30 years ago. That's, that's, um, I hope by some way you listen to that because that's big ups uh, to him. It's always good to see uh, X-Pac, um, not only wrestling, but just healthy in general. Uh, he's come a very long way um, in, in his career, both professionally and personally. And then to go down to GCW, get him to nod and, and give Janella the rub, who I've never really been a fan of Janella. Uh, just never really clicked with me. It's funny that you uh, say that now he's acting like a dick because he's always looked like one to me. <laughs> just just off, uh, you know, first glance. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like you say, you can't you can't throw a show and not be on it. And I assume it. It, it might have meant a lot, I'm assuming here, but I figured it meant a lot to, to go against somebody like X-Pac, who is a, a legend for a lot of guys. Um, and like I said, it's cool to see him come down there and, and give that the shoulder rub and, and give another rub as well. So, Yeah, that's good. Okay, moving on to the semi-main event, and only the semi-main event, mainly because of what happened in the main event, and that will explain why. John Maxley defeated AJ Gray in 22 minutes and 14 seconds. In the GCW World Championship match, this was very good. I like AJ Gray. I think he's really, really good. I like John Moxley, obviously, because you know, being say not to like John Moxley, um, but this really did put things further forward. It felt like a good title defense uh, with a worthy challenger, and it, it elevated AJ Gray, who has not always looked on this level in the matches I've seen him in, but he certainly looked at this level on this night. It was a big match for him. You could feel it was a big match for him, and he put all of his effort in that he possibly could, and it was a big ass brawl with John Moxley, and that's about it, really. I can say about it. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a real art to, um, you know, um, a victorious loss, if you will. Um, and, and John's been really good about that. He did. I feel like he did the same for you to, like I said, on recent edition of Rampage, and you know, somebody like AJ Gray who. I'm new to, but I would assume has been putting in a lot of work uh, in GCW and maybe other places. And, you know, what, what, we've seen what, what Moxley did uh, when he was the AEW world champion. I personally think he was the best pandemic champion. Um, mm-hmm. But he's just a hard guy to knock off. But, but you know, he's, he's never going to give you a match where it just felt like he, you know, used the guy to get his stuff in. So, you know, I think, you know, like you said, AJ is only going to be uh, – better coming out of this yeah definitely <laughs> the main event of the evening was for the gcw ultraviolet championship between john wayne murdoch and alex colon uh because obviously to set up a death match you require space so they had a bit of an interval before this happened it lasted 30 minutes and 50 seconds not my particular cup of tea it was fine i was entertained for what it was there was lots of blood everywhere i feel like i need john here to explain everything that happened um <laughs> But it was it, it was all right. I, I, I like Alex Colon. I think he's got something about him. I think he could do stuff outside of the deathmatch stuff that would bring him forward in the world. I think John Wayne May looks quite good as well. Uh, but just not my cup of tea. Yeah, it's... Uh, like you say, it's a deathmatch. I mean, it's a GCW ultra-violent title match as it's labeled here on Cage Match. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> right, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. It's... Uh, some of them, I mean, we just got through talking about blow well, Some of those uh, matches got right up to my my threshold when it came to the violence of it all. Um, 
but sometimes blood's just gonna be involved in general. I don't necessarily need the death. The death match is kind of the the the, the steps over the line that I don't necessarily need. It kind of takes me to the minutia of it all. Kind of takes me out of the match to where I kind of just wanted to be over and I stop paying attention to to the guys. So, like you said, fine goes with the, the GCW motif and all that. But you know, I'm, I'm just never been a death match guy. It's fair enough. Let us move on to night two because it was a lot shorter in one set, but also far, far longer. <laughs> You'll see why in a minute. Chris Dickinson, Dirty Daddy, defeated Matt Cardona. Uh, accompanying Chris Dickinson was the walking riot, Missy Hyatt, for the first time in a wrestling ring for a very, very long time after she said she would never set foot in a wrestling ring ever again. Um, Matt Cardona with Chelsea Green, as you can imagine. 12 minutes and 25 seconds of thoroughly entertaining professional wrestling match, and Dickinson killed Cardona, which I'm sure lots of people were happy about. Yeah, I'm not going to complain about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was good. It was solid. It, it, Cardona's good value for money. Straight up and down, he knows how to make a crowd hurt, hate him. He comes to the ring with a crown saying, King of the Death Matches. On just like like Macho Man used to have, and special custom shades with blood across the lenses. He's just he's just a genius. He's worked every angle of cheap heat you can possibly imagine. So watching him against Dickerson was ace. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's I mean it's, it's good. I mean because we we we've seen this a lot of times. A lot of guys get in his position and don't even and don't play any other angles. Or they pick one angle and play it wrong and run it into the ground, or just play one of those angles and, and run it till it's you know, dead. So it's cool to see him at least have the awareness of it all to know it's like, look, love my girl. I love what I do, but we're just not likable. And we need to play into that. We're not likable in this environment uh, or in a lot of wrestling environments when it comes to some of these companies. So um, <laughs> I just think it's, I think it's great. And he's probably picked a lot more momentum than he ever could have done with a, with a, with just a straightforward character elsewhere. So, you know, like I said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a fan but I always, I always give respect and props what they do. Okay, then. We'll move on. Tony Deppen defeated Biff Busick. 11 minutes and 39 seconds. I've got a lot of time for Biff Busick, and I've got even more time for Tony Deppen. This was great. Really fun match. Back and forth kind of wrestling match. Not enough reviews for anyone to review on the on cage match yet. But, yeah, it was just like Tony Deppen against Biff Busick. Give me more of that. Straight wrestling matches that just two guys who go. I loved it. It was really, really good. Yeah, Tony Deppin's another one of those guys, man. Mm. Deppin's, your Biff Busick's, um, Timothy Thatcher's, you know, put them, put them in there with the P Duns of it all, and you're not dead. Nobody loses. So a lot of people go get hurt, but nobody really loses specifically <laughs> the fans because you're just going to see some great stuff with guys who are gonna just going to hit you and keep hitting you and, and keep taking hits. Like a lot of these guys wear mouthpieces, and you, you, you find out why real quick, you know. A hell of a dental bill these guys would rack up if they didn't. Exactly. Speaking of mouthpieces, Mike Bailey, Speedball himself, one of the most famous mouthpieces in Impact Wrestling, wrestled Jordan Oliver, uh, a young aerial-style wrestler who I'm off very fond. Ten minutes, cracking little match. Can't complain at all. It was good. I really enjoyed it. Um it just what it is what it is. I think Joe Nola was going to go far. I'll be honest. No, I don't. I don't doubt it. I think somebody like a Mike Bailey is is somebody who was a, a great person to showcase yourself against uh, in that way. For some reason, had down here labeled. Maybe I read it wrong. He's supposed 
against PCL? Was that a, a mis misread? Sorry, say that again. I said when I was looking at the card, apparently he was uh, Baylor was down here against PCL. Did that change? I think that's one of the other matches. It's, I'm looking at the Spring Break Two one part two. It okay. may have changed, yeah, but it was he did wrestle Matt Bailey on that card. And Speedball was just on top form this weekend. So it was, you know, he was on a different level. He, he wrestled for, um, I'm trying to, th he wrestled for New Japan like the same weekend and same day. <laughs> did he second? Yeah, same day. <laughs> uh, he wrestled for like this. This was on the first, and then I'm just looking. I'm making sure I did. I did. I yeah, yeah. He wrestled the same day. He wrestles um, like he wrestled the day before for on the first Spring Break show. He wrestled on the Impact show. Then he wrestled on this show. And then he wrestled on the New Japan show later in the day. Yeah, at this point, I wonder. I wonder who we talked about like hit more shows, him or the uh, Briscoes. I think uh, it was. I think the busiest person in the weekend was Blake Christian. Okay. Because he wrestled. He also wrestled on that New Japan show. He wrestled on the Ring of Honor show. Did he wrestle on the New Japan show? Um, no, he didn't wrestle on the New Japan show, but he did wrestle on Ring of Honor as well, and he wrestled all of the the GCW ones too. Oh no, he did wrestle on the New Japan show too. <laughs> hey man, get to get to get to uh, get your spots and get your checks, man. Oh, That's man. it. Okay, uh, the semi-main event of the evening, and the reason why I wanted to watch the show: Minoru <laughs> Suzuki versus Effie. And I'll tell you why I wanted to watch this. Because, like, there's the big Chicago match between Tomohiro Ishii and Minoru Suzuki coming up. And as much as I love both those wrestlers, I know what that looks like. In my head, I can envision it. I have absolutely no idea what Effie versus Minoru Suzuki looked like. And I was keen to find out. And we did. <laughs> and it was, it was an Effie match, but it was a Minoru Suzuki match. And it's like these two things aren't necessarily not going to work. I enjoyed it for what it was. It wasn't a wrestling classic. It never was going to be a wrestling classic. And it was about as gay as a gay thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it was fine. I really enjoyed it for what it was. And Minoru Suzuki was quite clearly having the time of his life because he basically had to cover himself from laughing at the end. Yeah. <laughs> again. Again. <laughs> two men that absolutely terrify me when they're experiencing genuine joy. Rock Lesnar, <laughs> <laughs> Suzuki, because it's just uh, but uh, yeah, I'm looking at uh, Effie for the first time. He kind of has a you know flavor, uh, giving me some some Dalton Castle vibes and giving me some Sunny Kids vibes. He was, yeah. I, I also Effie did start biting Minoru Suzuki's nipples, and I don't think I've seen Minoru Suzuki as angry. I mean, it was pretend angry, but I've noticed it was just just perfect. <laughs> It was like, yeah, it was it was just on another level. It was it was just excellent. I just loved it. It was good. It was the most entertaining match of the weekend, I think, as far as I was concerned. Yeah, I mean, I, has anybody ever done that to Mono? Um, no. There's a first time for everything, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I'm just gonna have a second because my chair's just collapsed. I got excited and moved. Back oh, in a minute. Gotcha. <laughs> an old chair and I keep banging it back together and so ah, I'll be all right it'll last a bit longer and I never put glue in it and I should do 
<laughs> and it just moved on me and then everything fell apart. But I need to put, put it back together again with a hammer. So I might have to do that after this. Anywho, got a big gap, I can edit it out later. Right, moving on to the main event of the evening, which was the Clusterfoot Battle Royal. <laughs> Which is just dreadful. I, mean, I, can't, I, can't, I can't say, you know, there's good stuff in it. There's people I like in it. There's friends of mine in it. <laughs> but it's still terrible. <laughs> the second gear crew, AJ Gray, Mance Warner, and Matthew Justin defeated. One called Manders, Alec Price, Big Vin, Billy Starks, Blake Christian, Brandon Kirk, Buff Bagwell. Charlie Tiger, Cole Roderick, Damian Drake, Dante Leon, Dark Sheik, Deranged, Early Morning Guy Steele, Edith Surreal, Ellis Taylor, George Gatton, Grim Reefer, Hoodfoot. Hunter Friedman, The Invisible Man, Jack Hartwheel, Jay Vidal, John Kai, Jazzy Yang, Judiz, Juicy Fanu, Kamikaze, Kevin Blackwood, Kevin Matthews, nice to see him back, Levi, Levi Everett, Lord Adrian, Lufisto, Brand, Matt Zandegraff, uh, Maven, Nasty Leroy, Nate Webb, Nick Wayne, Paro, Rhett Titus, Sam Stackow, Sandra Moore, Sean Ross Sapp, Shazza McKenzie, Slade, and Yoya. Did I include Buff Bagwell? Because he opened the show. And it is like... Joey Janela started off as the first guy, and the first guy that came out was Buff Bagwell, who currently is on crutches. So you know it wasn't going to last long. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't. But Buff had a whale of a time. He did one big bump for Joey and Crawford, but it took him about five minutes to get in the ring because they had to, get, to figure out how to get him in the ring for a start. And it, it, it was fun. And then God bless Buff Bagwell for what he's been doing online in the last couple of weeks. He only got on Twitter a week ago. Um, he's already explained that trans rights are one of the most important things for everybody in the country at the moment and people who are um, transphobic can get off his timeline. So damn right, Buff, I agree with you. And also, first time I saw Buff Bagwell, GFW in Dallas, Texas 30 years ago. Nice. Uh, shout out to Buff. Only thing is, it's always interesting watching like older school wrestlers try to get on Twitter for the first time. It's like <laughs> you want to see something funny. Like just go to them, just like it's hard for them to go back and forth with fans who are trying to offend them because they're, they're they're asking them to explain it for the most part. So uh, it, it's pretty comical. Yeah, but the cluster of it. Like, once I saw Sean Ross ass name, like okay, he was just trying to send people home happy. It's cool. It's fine. So, <laughs> it's fine. Oh no, no, no. Sean came out as a heel. He came out and said, I'm going to have to ask you to put, everyone give everybody $5 because I'm going to have to put this behind the Patreon. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> the, pay, the, pay, the paywall, villain. but I love how you, you started talking about it. Like, you, like it came off like you was like, I, I went to a like purposely poorly planned wedding. And it was, it was all right. Like, my brother was in it. I'm like, you know, you know, the people I know was there, but, you know, they gave us bag lunches. We had to sing the bride out ourselves. We had to bring our own chairs. It was just a lot. It was. <laughs> it was. There was cool stuff. Yeah. There was, it was like there was a bit where at one point all the women in the match went, "Hang on, why don't we just gang up on everybody and get rid of them?" And that was kind of cool to see all the women ganging up together. So you had uh, like Edith Surreal and Dark Sheik and um, Shazza and Janelle Kai and everyone sorted themselves out. It was nice to see Jimmy Yang Wang. That was nice, not seeing him wrestle in ages. Yeah. Um, and he's not, sadly, oh, he is listed. And debut, first time I'd seen his daughter, um, uh, Jazzy Wang. Um, but they point out in commentary, sorry, Jazzy Yang. Uh, they, that was good. I like that. Um, 
and yeah no there was bits and pieces that were really cool but it just went on forever yeah it's like an hour and a half and it's like it's the it reminded me of the old shikara tag team gauntlets that they used to have on triple on the king of trios weekend so obviously on the on the sunday night when they'd not no tournament matches left they used to put the tag team gauntlet there'd be a 10 10 team tag team gauntlet and you'd get people like the powers of pain and and uh, demolition <laughs> tagging yeah. against the young books <laughs> it, it reminded me of that and that was kind of really cool but this just took yeah, so it's, long it's like and i, and I noticed this to a couple of people just like take 20 minutes or, or, or more off of that and I, i'll allow you to like do a triple threat between Busick, Deppin, and bailey if you take some time <laughs> take some time off this and, and to be fair they're literally telling you in a title what they expect but you're expecting it to be a more, you know, not an extended cluster. Organized, yes. Because <laughs> at one point, as a joke, Janella looks to the camera and goes, Brett, when's my next spot? And he's talking about Brett Lauderdale, who books GCW. And it's like, that's funny. However, this is, yeah. <laughs> it's like this kind of... Mm. Uh, the Invisible Man spot was really cool. I like that. He's cool. In like... Um, but if uh, he's an invisible man, he comes to the ring, you don't see anything, then essentially the wrestlers wrestle thin air. It's the kind of thing that made Jim Cornette's blood boil. Uh, so I'm always going to approve of that, obviously. Exactly. It's enough for me. <laughs> so yeah, but that was cool. But it just, it was, it just, just too, when, whose idea was it to get Josh Barnett to keep, to run the ropes? Because he never does that purely on the grounds he was taught not to do it. When he turned trained as a person, as a professional wrestler, so he always stays well away from the ropes. <laughs> but yeah, no. <laughs> oh, let's move on. Last card of the particular this week. I've watched a lot of wrestling this week, as you can tell. Lone Star Shoot about New Japan Pro Wrestling. This was a short hour and a half card, and by gum, they crammed it. This was like the opposite of Spring Break 2. Do as much as you possibly can as a short time period as possible. Kevin Kevley, Kevin Kevley and Matthew Reidholt on commentary. Reidholt is really good, but I like the fact he's a heel in Impact Wrestling, but a babyface in New Japan. Yeah, uh, Reidholt's been a kind of revelation to me. Like, I, I really appreciate it because he really is. He really uh, does seem to be as smart as he, he you know, he comes off. Yeah. And, no. uh, and, and obviously, in you're going to be naturally a heel because it would have been an awkward transition because you can't be rooting for Deanna as a baby face. Uh, when we just, you know, you would yeah. just with as a heel. Like, you'd be in the ring with if you weren't on commentary. So it just makes all the sense in the world. And, um, yeah, he just he just works. Like, I didn't I didn't know how it was going to be after we obviously lost Stryker and uh, D-Lo, but I, th- I think they've, they've done well to, to, to put him on commentary. I think that's been a really good spot for him. Definitely. So the opening match of this was Ren Narita, disciple of Katsuyuri Shibata. He defeated Rocky Romero in 7 minutes and 42 seconds with that beautiful belly-to-belly suplex. Outstanding work. Not a lot I can say about it, really. It was just really good. <laughs> it was just like, this was smooth. It was Rocky being Rocky and Ren Narita being Ren Narita. What more could you want in life? Oh yeah, man. Well, you, uh, Rocky's another one. Obviously, he's been, you know he's got a long track record. He's done a lot of things, but he's another guy that when he gets in the right situation, he's motivated. Not saying that he ever dials it back any, but when he's in the right uh, situation, he can, that that's a fun guy to watch. 
Uh, next up was a uh, eight-man tag: Clark Connors, Carl Fredericks, Mascara Dorado, and Yue Uemura defeated Finn Juice, Dave Finley, Juice Robinson, Daniel Garcia, and Kevin Knight. Ten minutes and forty-five seconds. It was a classic New Japan eight-person eight tag. I thoroughly enjoyed it for what it was. Um, yeah, just fun. Just you know, kind of New Japan thing. Daniel Garcia is still a heel. Is be kind of on the babyface teams, but he's a heel in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, for instance, on the TV taping after this, Eddie Kingston showed up and beat up Daniel Garcia because he hates Daniel Garcia. <laughs> so, yeah, it was good. Hope you hit him with that back fist. We want not going to be seeing him till the next uh, <laughs> back fist to the future. A, a move so devastating it wants somebody knocked somebody back to 1987. Anywho, true story. Uh, moving on, Minoru Suzuki defeated Killer Cross in making his New Japan Pro Wrestling debut. Nine minutes and 48 seconds. This was really good. Um, Killer Cross signing for New Japan Pro Wrestling was, I, well, yeah, it was kind of a really good match in the sense that he's the right style guy for the, for the job. But when I saw him against Minoru Suzuki, I'm like, oh, they're going to job out Minoru Suzuki because they don't normally give a new guy, especially a big name coming in, you know, they don't get him to lose to start off with. And then Minoru Suzuki kind of handed him an ass whooping. And I thought, well, that's an intriguing start to your career, definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was good. But it was Suzuki just cranking on Cross all the time. And Cross really didn't get much offense in, which I thought was intriguing. I guess I mean, we'll see down the line. It looked like a match. It still was his feud starter more than anything else. No, I like it. I dig it. Because, I mean, look, he was essentially... You know, what Manoa was kind of always been when he was in NXT when they were booking him like a freak of not, uh, nature. Um, mm. So for him to kind of get in that environment, it's like, look, man, you may have been that guy over there, but you in a completely different pond right now. And these, you know, completely different waters, and this is the head shark. So, you, you, you know, <laughs> and I, I, I dig that because, you know, Manoa kind of got to set that pace. And like you said, it's kind of the start to a few. And we know what Karen can do. Um, so, um I think with his style and stuff, I think New Japan is a really good spot for him. But Minoru is a, is a mountain for anybody to climb. So, yeah. Also, brilliantly, at the end of this match, Minoru Suzuki walked up the rampway in his usual trunch style and grabbed a kid from the front row and pulled him up on stage with him, to which Kevin Kelly went, oh, my God, he's going to eat that child. Um, and then <laughs> raised his hand because Minoru Suzuki is for the kids. That's that's brilliant, and I hope, like I said last uh, last weekend when we were talking about the uh, the other show, uh, the Ring of Honor um, show, briefly. Like I hope people are appreciating this run with Minoru. You oh know? yeah, he won't be doing this. He won't be doing this forever, you know. Um, but to see moments like that, it really kind of just kind of reminds you, like this guy really is, you know, like that all that 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 all-purpose player. You know, and but it that moment, oh my god, it's gonna eat that kid. That's that's perfect because <laughs> I was talking about somebody else. Uh with obviously we know that uh Triple H recently seemingly retired. And I'm like like one thing coming up in his career, like somebody like JR on commentary, he verbally taught you how to hate Triple H. Cause yes. like yes. like it, it's like I I was telling him, like you would have thought that somebody just had told Jay on his headset that Triple H had been with his wife the way he was cursing at him. <laughs> because but that's that was his job and he did it better than anybody else. And it really that's that's JR's commentary is a lot of the success of that character in my opinion. So 
you know, yeah. the moment like that, that's just perfect. Yeah, I think that's it. Kelly does such a good job of giving um, color to the wrestlers of New Japan Pro Wrestling. He, him and Chris Charlton did an exceptional job at um, Battle, whatever that show was I watched yesterday. We're not doing that today. We'll probably do that for next week, the big New Japan show. Cyber Battle, Battle, or whatever they're calling it. That thing that <laughs> happened yesterday. Okada and ZSJ. Anyway, it was a, it did an exemplary job there. Um, and Charlton adds an awful lot as well. And it's interesting to watch him commentate with somebody else because their chemistry was really good. And Charlton's chemistry has taken a little while to develop because Chris is very English and he talks in a very English manner. Um, so, it, but I think, I think him and Chris are just perfect. And it works really, really well. Uh, speaking of one of the guys that, that Kevin Kelly has really got over with his commentary, Jay White defeated Speedball Mike Bailey in 14 minutes and 10 seconds in another barn burner. Like I said, Bailey has just been on fire over this particular weekend. He really elevated himself. I think the guys at GCW said he must have been like a caged animal waiting for his visa to come through when he came through from Canada, and he ain't wasting time, and he definitely wasn't here. This match with Jay White, Jay White's on another level as far as wrestling iq and getting the most out of the minimum in this match in fact kevin kelly mentioned on commentary that cornet doesn't like him <laughs> that should be enough and he said but you would like him because he's uh, he's the perfect cornet wrestler he does nothing and gets the majority most out of it and he's absolutely right he is a cornet style wrestler he just hasn't seen the right bits of jay white and but this was just great. I watched Jay White wrestle anything, anytime. And watching wrestle Mike Bailey was a really nice change of pace because he's not used to wrestling smaller, more agile guys. He's usually wrestling guys who are bigger and stronger and faster, you know, big, strong Ishii, Suzuki, Akada types. So this was just something special. It was just something different to watch. Yeah, and then kudos, always kudos to Jay White. He's one of the best heels you'll see going today. He's really one of those guys, like, especially in New Japan, I think a lot of people got so caught up in, you know, being a Noah Bias character that they kind of, you know, uh, looked over the fact that he always puts on banger matches. He's, it feels like he's one of those guys that can perfectly tailor himself as the villain, uh, that 100% the villain that the guy he's facing needs at the time for the match. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's... You know, the guy seldom disappoints. I think he got pinned for the first time. Was that who pinned him? Was it Saban that did get that, that pin? Yeah, yeah, he got pinned last week at the multiverse show, didn't he? Yeah, so that's a, that's a big thing. Unless you, you know, Jay White's a big deal when he's bragging on his New Japan accomplishment. Those aren't, you know, those aren't, you know, fly by night things. That that's huge what he did in New Japan at such a young age, so fast as as he did it. So, you know, um, he's another one lately that's been putting on some absolute banger matches. But I think, like you said. Somebody like Mike Bailey, who's literally, you know, been getting his stuff in because he's kind of like you said, that 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 whole visa issue finally cleared up. He's like he's like he's not holding back, you know. No, that's it. That's, that's what's made him so great over this last two weekends. Um, and then the last match we're going to look at, there were other matches on this show, but they're all for the TV taping. So we'll not spoil anything for you if you haven't watched, if you're watching strong on a weekly basis. The main event of this particular card was Dirty Dazzy Chris Dickinson yet again, main eventing on the same day, by the way, that he wrestled Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> I was, no, the day after he wrestled Minoru Suzuki coming off of a broken leg, he decided to wrestle Tommy Rishi. Um, and it was a banger, absolute banger. They went at it and 
just the right guy for Ishii to have a good match with, just the right guy for Chris Dickinson to re-establish himself with. No complaints from me. This was just outstanding professional work. Uh, you know, two guys who use a vertical drop brain buster. That's, that's always going to be intriguing to see who gets it on first. And Dickinson did, but it wasn't enough to put away the stone pit bull. Excellent professional wrestling. To round off a week of professional wrestling, I thoroughly enjoyed. Look, man, there's no, there's no uh, shame at all in losing the Minoru. Certainly no shame in losing the uh, Tomohiro. I, I see Dickinson tried to have himself like a like a couple mini G1 style situations. That's that's a situation somebody will find themselves in the G1 coming off of Minoru and going into uh, Tomohiro. I like, I w- I would like to see Chris Dickinson in the G1. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I hope I hope what we're seeing with a lot of these stuff will prompt New Japan to kind of bring in a lot of these these uh newer guys to the to the G1 because I think a lot of these guys will thrive um, in that way. But yeah, if I'm he's definitely a tougher guy than me because if I'm if I see Minoru and Tomohiro on my schedule, I'm separating those matches by at least a month. That's <laughs> <laughs> about at least a month. Just, just you know, you got to you know your um. Get getting the ice tank and all that. Do do your chiropractor, your, your, all that stuff. You got to separate that. Yeah, you need a bit of recovery time. This, but now, now Chris Dickinson broken leg straight in because <laughs> he's just like that. That's that's this good. That's how good he is. Um, yeah, all sorts of things coming to happen, and obviously because when all of these people come together, there are rumors and things that will happen. One of the most intriguing stories that came out from this week was Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, we did an interview with uh, Jason Barrasso at um, Sports Illustrated, and they asked him, who would you like to wrestle from who's available from around the world? And he said, uh, CM Punk, I'd like to wrestle him. I never got a chance to before, and I think it'd be a really interesting match. I think that would be outstanding, because it's not a pure wrestling match. It's a story match. You have to build something around that. And I think that would be really, really good because Punk's just the guy to tell the right story for Tanahashi to follow with. So, yeah. Look, man, Khan, and I know Khan tries to keep himself abreast of a lot of situations. Um, uh, well, not the, the hugest AEW fan, a Khan fan. I wish he kind of stay off social media more. Oh, yeah. that, that Yeah, just, just Tony. Yeah. Take a break. There was never anything you can take from Vince. Just, just <laughs> don't, don't do the social uh, situations. But, yeah, I mean, you... Have Minoru versus Daniel. You got um, him obviously coming up versus Joe. Um, I mean, this could be another one of those situations of Roshi and CM Punk, and that's coming off of that whole thing with MJF. This is, I know that's something Punk would be absolutely down for because it's opportunities you don't necessarily get. So I'm I'm finding a way to book that however I can if I'm Tony. But that's just me. Yeah, well, Punk was tweeting out this weekend. Hey. Anyone want to wrestle me and like tweeted half the AW roster because he hasn't got anything to do on Wednesday. <laughs> so it's like, I, I know a guy <laughs> who would love to wrestle you. Um, but yes, so we'll see. So that was the week in wrestling that was, except for um, Hyper Battle. That's the show I was looking for. Except for Hyper Battle from New Japan Pro Wrestling, which we'll probably look at next week if someone wants to review it with me because it was arguably the best New Japan show they've done in about two years. Um, and oh. a lot of it was because they set everything up properly and they didn't half-arse it this time. They did a good job. 
and there were matches you wanted to see. In fact, I forgot how cool it was because I've watched so much wrestling this week. When I looked yeah. at that show yesterday, I was like, oh, yeah, that's going to happen, and that's going to happen, and that's going to happen. So I just, <laughs> yeah, it was just like, it kind of clicked to me what a good job they did during the New Japan Cup, um, which is not something we've said for New Japan for a long while. Um, so, yes, it was exceptional. But we'll talk about that next week. We'll save it. But in the meantime, I'd like to thank my guest for today, Mr. Marcus Green of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Thank you very much, sir. Where can we find you on the internet? Well, thank you. Always a pleasure. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, that's at ParadoxKid, P-A-R-A-D-O-X-K-I-D. Always down to check. Indeed. You can find me at Sheriff Lone Star on Twitter. You can find the show Troopany Show on Twitter, and you can find us on Facebook and Patreon, The Troopany Show, where you can keep us free forever for everyone. Uh, Wrestling Rewind will be back during the week. Um, if you want to go listen to last week's show to find out what wrestle happened at WrestleMania, I'm, I'm sure you pretty much know by now. <laughs> you can also listen to all of the stuff that we did for the New Japan Cup. And if you want to catch up and get yourself sorted out to get yourself ready for Hyper Battle. Thank you very much for listening to us. Take care and we'll see you soon. Bye.